All right, um, welcome back, 2012. I mean, 2012, 2014. <laughs> you like that, Romeo, right? That's that's a good little warm up. All right. So give it up for Matt. You know, he's been doing music for probably the last three years, two years. And yeah, there you go. It, glory goes to the Lord. Is that what that means? Glory goes to God. Well, that, that, that kind of works out, right? Um, I, I thought about doing that and then it kind of connected with the message that I'm going to talk about, um, which is in John 3, if you guys want to go there, um, how John kind of directs his uh, work or his ministry to Christ. Um, and there's a little situation that arises with him and some of his disciples and a couple of Jews that came to him um, and said and, and asked a question. And the way he responded, he directed his uh, kind of their negativity-ness, if that's a word, um, towards Jesus Christ. So uh, I'm going to give you a little background, a review of John up to now because it's been a while and I think we had a couple of different sermons from different people but they didn't stick to John so um, you guys are in John chapter 3 right now all right uh, I'm just gonna go to through John chapter 1 and do a couple of key verses in these little sections and I'll, I'll just read it and you could just listen if you want um, but in John chapter 1 um, God became a human being which is a John 1 verse I have John 1 verse 4, but it's not because I changed it. Uh, oh, 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of only the begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Um, and then John declares his mission in John 1 verse 20. He confessed and did not deny, but uh, confessed, I am not the Christ. In verse 26 through 27, John answered uh, them and saying, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandals strap I am not worthy to loose. Um, so slaves used to do that. They used to unloosen the, the uh, uh, straps on their master's feet. So John is saying, I'm not worthy of even doing that for Jesus Christ because he um, knows how holy and how great he is. Um, and then the first disciples uh, followed Jesus, John 1, verse 37. Uh, and John, the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And a couple of them were in uh, verse uh, 40, was Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, also um, Philip and Nathaniel. And then chapter 2, Jesus turns water into wine. Uh, and then the second half of that, Jesus uh, clears the temple and talks about his resurrection. He clears the temple because people were selling oxes, sheep, and all these um and all these items and in verse 16 he says take these things away do not make my father's house a house of merchandise and then in verse 19 and 20 where he talks about his resurrection Jesus says um, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up and the people that were there were like how are you gonna do that we it took us 40 years to do this how are you gonna do it in, in three days and so they didn't know what he was talking about but then when Jesus rose from the dead on the third day his disciples remembered him saying that um, in the temple and then chapter 3 I forgot who preached on that but um, Nicodemus visits Jesus at night because he was in fear of being publicly exposed as, as a follower of Jesus um, so now we're in chapter uh, verse 22 you guys there 
verse 22. And then this is uh, where John the Baptist exalts Christ and puts uh, the focus on him, not so much on uh, himself. Now I'm just going to go ahead and read through that, and then I'm going to go verse by verse and explain kind of an exposition of each verse and kind of break it up so you guys can understand. Um, a lot of these verses are pretty simple to understand, but there's a couple of deeper meanings to uh, what John writes. All right, so verse 22. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been set before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy is mine. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. Verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. So we're going to go back to, to verse 22 and then go from there, verse by verse, and hopefully you guys get something out of this. Um, and uh, I think it'll be a good um, beginning sermon in 2014 for you guys to really focus on putting Christ first in your life and really uh, living for him as John kind of exalted and put Christ first uh, in his life. So in verse 22, um, it says, After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea. So they were traveling, um, Jesus and his disciples, and there he remained with them and baptized. Um, so he, was, he tarried with them. He was hanging out with them um, and baptizing. But I'm just going to tell you this. Um, it wasn't uh, Jesus that was doing the baptizing. It was actually the disciples. If you go to chapter 4, verse 2, Um, actually, chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, and then verse 2, it says, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples. So um, he was there, but he wasn't actually doing the baptizing um, under, in the, into the water. And I'll explain later why um, I think that was important that he didn't do it. Um, verse, verse 23, it says, Now John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem, and Anon actually means a place of springs, like there was a lot of water there, um, and people were coming him to be baptized, and John was the man of baptism, like if you want to get baptized, you go to John, like he's, he's the man that you go to. Um, in verse 24, 
It says, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. So right now I'm going to explain how actually John was thrown into prison and how he died. So I'm telling you like the end of the story before we even like get there. But um, actually in Mark chapter 6, if you want to turn there real quick, I'm going to read a few verses from there. What John did, he went to Herod, which was the king, and he told him that it was unlawful for him to be with his, to marry his sister's, um, I mean, his brother's wife, which was Herodias. And he ended up marrying her, and John said, hey, that's unlawful for you to do that. So, um, so she didn't like that, so they put him into prison. And then now in verse, uh, let's see, 621. I'm just going to read a few verses here. And this is pretty much what happened um, and how he, he became uh, beheaded. Um, then an opportune day came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a feast for his nobles and high officers and the chief men of Galilee. So it was a feast. It was a party. Um, and when Herodias, Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced, it wasn't his wife, but the daughter of his wife. And please, Herod, and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give it to you up to half my kingdom. So whatever she asked for, he would have to do because he said it in front of everyone and he's the king and he has to keep his promises. And then so 24, so she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. So the mother of the daughter, which was Herod's wife said, I want his head. I want him dead. And then so she ran back to Herod. And in verse uh, 25, immediately she came in with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And then verse 26 uh, just explains that he was sorry to do that and that he made a, a commitment to her and said, hey, I, I'll give you whatever you want. And that's what she wanted. So he ended up becoming beheaded. Now, the sad part's over. So let's go back to... Um, John chapter 3. Okay. So now this is where we're kind of like the whole, this section, the whole story starts off. Um, then there arose a dispute between some, uh, verse 25, sorry. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and Jews about purification. So this is a possible situation that I, I was reading and studying, and this is kind of what kind of came up, was that there was, there was jealousy from John's disciples um, that Jesus was getting more attention than John. Um, back then, rabbis were teachers, and um, many of their disciples looked up to them. They said, man, that's my teacher. He, he taught me everything I know, and they put him kind of on a pedestal. And it's almost like uh, people who talk about who, who went to, like, a college college, like, let's say, like FIU or UM. UM's a big one. Nobody went to UM? Okay. Well, Chris, where'd you go? UCF. Okay, that's a big college, you know, place. And people are like, yeah, I went there. Or I went to, like, Yale. Or I went to Harvard. And they, they kind of put um, kind of like a, uh, like a title. Not a title, but like uh, an importance in where they came from or who taught them. So this was kind of like an idea that uh, they were possibly uh, jealous and they loved their rabbi. So in verse 26, um, I'm going to read. And they came to John and said, Rabbi... He who is with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. So they really, 
they were really focusing on, on John. They said, they said, teacher, master, he was with you to whom you have testified. They are leaving you and going to him. So, um, so this is possibly also the Pharisees putting in their minds that um, uh, that, uh, that Jesus was, in a sense, more important than John. And they wanted to see what was what was the issue, um, almost like a. Does anybody know what sectarianism is? Yeah. Right. So, in a sense, I think this is kind of where it might it might have started, in the sense that they were they were saying that I'm I'm of Paul. Not Paul, sorry, that's the verse I was going to read. Uh, like, I'm of John, like, he's my master. And then these people are going to this other guy. So, like, in 1 Corinthians one twelve, they had an issue with that. Um, I'm sure you've heard this, but it says, What it means is that each, of you, each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. So, um, what I'm trying to explain is that John's disciples were really um, kind of backing him up and not really understanding why... Um, Jesus was becoming so popular and people were leaving John, his ministry and going to, to Jesus and now verse 27 now John answers them and then the rest of this cha- uh, the rest of this chapter is John speaking and John talking to them and, uh, and explaining um, his answer and this is where he changes the focus from himself to Christ and then verse 27 says John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. So here, if this verse was written about Jesus, um, it would mean that, uh, that God's, uh, Jesus' success um, shows that any success that Jesus had was an indication of God's approval. So whatever he was doing, if uh, what he was doing was right, is because God approved it. Because he was... Uh, given everything to him and there's another verse later on that uh, expounds on that um, and also uh, with us in our walk with Christ um, we really have no power within us um, in our walk with Christ uh, we can do things maybe without the the backing of the Holy Spirit but it all comes from him um, in Acts 1 8 In Acts 1 8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So here in verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So when when initially does the Holy Spirit come into your life? Anyone? Good one, Romy. When you what? accepted Christ right as your savior so once once you are saved and you're accepted you have the Holy Spirit and then that gives you the power um, to to live for Christ and um, and do uh, ministries in his name so this was what John was talking about and then verse 28 he is repeating what he has stated before in uh, chapter 1 verse 30 um, where he says that someone that you yourself bear me witness that he said I am not Christ but I have been sent before him um, and then John actually was foretold in the Old Testament. Can somebody turn to Malachi 3, verse 1? So this we're going to read right now um, something in the Old Testament that foretold John coming into 
to the view of the story. Anybody want to read it? All right, Chris. So, thanks, Chris. Um, it says, Behold, I send my uh, messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. So, here, it's foretelling John. John's preparing the way for Jesus to become um, from the ministry of John to transfer over to Jesus. So, he gets the glory, and he starts his ministry to grow and uh, make more disciples. Lots of notes. All right, verse 29. I thought this was... I had this verse was probably the most challenging to understand, um, but after some reading and some uh, studying, it made a lot of sense to me. So, verse 29, and I'm actually going to say, instead of bridegroom, I'm just going to say groom, because to me it's easier to understand that way. Um, so, verse 29, it says, He who has the bride is the, is the groom, but the friend of the groom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the groom's voice. So, here... Um, it's saying that that the groom, well, a friend of the, the groom would be the best man, right? And then so John would be the best friend, uh, best man of Jesus in the sense of uh, this, this figure here. But the bride is actually referred to Israel and the groom is Christ um, because he's transferring the, I'm sure you've heard that we're the bride of Christ, like us now, uh, we're the bride of Christ. But over there, during that time, it would have been Israel, and the groom is Christ. And John says that he who has the bride is the groom. So it's not John that was the groom because he had Israel, but it was transferring over to Jesus. And people were moving towards Christ, and John's popularity was decreasing, but he rejoiced in this. He was happy, you know, that he saw that. So are we, are we, directing, are we directing, like, our attention and pointing others to... Um, uh, to to look at the bride like when you're at a wedding I mean I've been to a lot of weddings there was a lot of weddings this past like you know month um, but are we really directing like our our view uh, not our view like our lives to Christ and just as a, as a symbol when you're at a wedding the bride really is the person you should be paying attention to not so much the groom even though he's there but it's like her with the dress you know and uh, and and the first dance and the cake cutting and all that stuff and um, are, do we sometimes take away attention from Christ? Uh, when we're, I've been to Bible studies to where people, um, you know, when, you, when it's like an open format, sometimes people, you know, they, they, they see verses that they like or they talk about their lives, and sometimes they, they go off on tangents and really talk about themselves than, than what, what, Christ, um, what Christ has done for them or what, um, what's been um, helpful to them with their walk with Christ. And... Uh, and some people, you know, they, um, they say, like, I'm more spiritual than you. And they don't say that, but they kind of, like, act like it. I don't know if you've ever met someone that's kind of like that, like spiritual pride. Like, they're very, um, uh, like, but every time they're around, you're like, oh, here comes that person. And they're, like, always talking about the Bible. And, like, like I, I know it's not a bad thing, but some people, um, not hypocritical, but there's, like, two sides to the people, you know, sometimes. Like, when you're around certain people, they're like, Oh, yeah. some people are smiling because they, they know people like that. Um, but are, are we, it, it, maybe sometimes we, we shouldn't be so judgmental towards those people because maybe they are sincere and maybe it's just really, you know, kind of bothering you that you're not like that and that it's bothering you because you, maybe you should be like that. Um, 
but that one of the main things that, that I learned at the um, conference that I just went to was uh, kind of like the hindrance of Christians with our spiritual pride. Um, we're, we're very prideful to say that kind of like like the way Boulevard does things is the right way or the proper way. Um, or or maybe, you know, we you go somewhere else and some people, they talk about, um, let's say, uh, like Calvinists or, or another kind of group of people um, that they do things a little differently. Um, and, and biblically, it may not be right, but they do know they do know the gospel. They do know um, what salvation is, or they, they, they are saved. They just do things uh, a little differently. But last year, I really, uh, I learned a lot last year um, in my growth with Christ. But the main thing would be encouragement and not discouragement. Encourage people who might be, because you guys go to school, and you guys probably have a lot of different people that go to your school, either Catholics, um, Pentecostals, uh, Baptists, to, to really not be prideful in the sense like, well, you know what, you should really do things like this, or this is important, or, you know, we do things like this at Boulevard, and it's way better than what you do at your church. Um, and I'm not saying that you guys would say anything like that, but sometimes it might come off that way, because people put up a wall, um, and, and they may feel that you're um, coming at them harshly. Um, so, so really encouragement, encourage them to, in their personal life, to reading their Bible, pray with them. If they say, hey, something's going on, you know, at my house, you know, my parents or my brother, or, um, just say, hey, you want me to pray for you? And don't, just don't say that. Maybe even stop right there and, and just pray with them. Um, hold their hand. I mean, if it's a girl and a, a girl or a guy, well, guys are not going to hold hands. But, um, but it's, I, I, I learned that a lot from, from some of our elders, even like Dave Bosworth and some other preachers that come through, they just start praying. Just go ahead. And that's how really we should, um, we should be. Just go to God for everything. Put him first in your life and, and put him first in front of every, everything. And uh, there was another thing that I wanted to talk about, too, was that um, I don't know if you guys saw my posts on Facebook, but there's a lot of, uh, like, religious hostility uh, this past year. There's over 2,000 people, about 2,600 people that died. Um, Christians were murdered around the world. And then the most of it was in Syria, um, but altogether it was over 2,000. And America really has none of that. And we're one of the last countries that they said that there's no hostility. There's no, I mean, we might have hostility, like people, oh, you're Christian, get away from me, you know. But there's no, like, physical ramifications of, of what we believe in. So um, I feel like, like this year really, I mean, as, you know, throughout your life, um, just really focus on spreading the gospel and doing as much as you can because one day we might not be able to do that. You know, one day we might be, you know, put out, pull out the Bible and then we get shot. Or, you know, we tell some, say Jesus Christ and somebody beats us up, you know. So with the freedom that we have and with what you you guys um, have in your minds and what we have here, you know, um, I was also going to say that you guys come here, you know, not every Friday and for youth group. And we really, I mean, it's a good time to hang out, good time to fellowship. But we get amazing speakers that come through here. And it's really good to pay attention and kind of soak in what they say. And also as, as young people, we... Um, what's expected from us on a, on a normal basis is just, hey, do your chores, go to school, make sure you get good grades, do your homework, listen to your parents. Um, but you guys can do so much more, you know, in, 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 in your schools with friends and stuff like that. I mean, it's good to have a good time, and, and we're all young. We all, you know, want to have a good time. But also, you have a great opportunity to talk to your friends, um, even your family. Some, some parents, you know, uh, I, I know some kids that maybe don't, don't come here, but they go to other churches 
um, that their parents, they don't care about anything that the God has to say. So it, it's good to be um, uh, testimony um, wherever you go. All right. Now let's go back to the passages. Verse 30. Um, it says, He must increase, but I must de- decrease. And this verse is like pretty hefty, even though it's like a short verse, you know. Um, and I'm sure you guys have heard it many times in prayers and, and with preachers coming up. But this this summarizes the whole ministry of John. He must decrease his popularity and Jesus must increase. He needs to go on and make more disciples and bring his ministry out there. And this is actually the beginning of Jesus and his um, and, and what he's doing uh, to, to show the world who he is, that he's the savior of the world. Um, and that he should be in the background and Christ should be in the foreground. I'm sure you guys have heard the Lecrae song. I could play the background, right? It's a good song. And uh, and right when I right when I read this, this is exactly what what it reminded me of. Like this is this is just the chorus. I can play the background because I know sometimes I get in the way. So once you take the lead, and I could play the background, and you could take the lead. So this goes application wise with our life that put Christ um, first in everything you do. Um, you know when you wake up, when you're in school. When you're hanging out with friends, are you putting him first in the sense of like, if uh, I've noticed lately that when I wake up, I'm like, I need to read my Bible, but then I turn on my TV. Um, I need to read my Bible. I turn on the PlayStation, you know, and it's like, are you putting God first in everything that you do Um, with prayer is am I doing things on my own? Am I going am I going to the school because I want to or am I? dating this person because I think they look good, you know, or they're super nice, but is it what Christ wants, you know, uh, right now in your life? This is just, um, well, not dating for me, but just something for you guys to, to think about because I'm still single. So. <laughs> um, so in verse 31, let's go to that. Uh, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven uh, is above all. So now John is just stating that he's a man, uh, but Christ is above all and comes from above. So he's that he's ho- he's holy. That he is um, uh, not just a man, but he came from heaven, and he continues to exalt Christ and puts him first in his life. All right, all right. Verse thirty-two. And what he has seen and heard, and he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. So in this part where it says, and no one receives this testimony, is not meant to take literally, but just um, uh, figuratively that a lot of people were not receiving his testimony um, because John testified that he, he is the Son of God. And now the next two verses is going to, in a sense, explain um, where he is, uh, where Christ came from and what he represents. Verse 33 says, he who has received this testimony has certified that God is true. Um, and now this clearly attests to the deity of Christ, that Jesus and God are one. And if you believe one, you believe that God is true and real because they're one and the same. And now, and now he explains how this is possible. Verse 34 and 35. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the spirit by measure. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. So this is where, um, where, God, or where John explains that um, if you believe Christ, 
you believe who God is and that he is true because they're one and the same and that Jesus came to speak the words of God and uh, in verse 34 this was kind of interesting where it says uh, it doesn't uh, God doesn't give spirit by measure and this is explained to Christ it's not like he said uh, he told Christ uh, hey you only get two cups of the spirit today you know it's like you, you he gave him everything he gave him uh, control over uh, all things which is in verse 37 also uh, where uh, he gives all things into his hand and there's seven times in John that it does say the father the father loves the son um, and those people who are into numerology that'll be something interesting for you to, to look at um, and uh, the father loves the son and th in this instance the way he shows it shows his love is by giving um, control over all things into his hand I know if I had kids I wouldn't give them control over everything yeah you can uh, drive my car whenever you want you know, you can mow the lawn. You can pay pay our bills. I mean, I know Jamal would like that, but <laughs> so. Um, all right, verse thirty six, and now uh, here, verse thirty six, Jesus, uh, John finalizes his response to the Jews, and his disciples with the gospel. So he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So these are one of the most simplest verses. Is simplest a word? But uh, most simplest verses to understand, um, if you believe the Son, uh, you will live forever. If you, uh, if you do not believe, then you have the wrath of God uh, abiding in you. And abiding means like uh, dwelling in you, having the wrath of God. So to me, that kind of struck me. Uh, it's, it sounds a little, a little rough, but I mean, the seriousness of, of your life and where you go after you die is, is I mean, probably one of the most important uh, choices you can make uh, in your life. And um, I, I think also like like the wrath of God abiding in you. And then so you have kind of like this, you, have you ever seen cartoons where you have like that little cloud above you and you like walk around and it like follows you everywhere you go and it's like raining and it never goes away? To me, that, that's kind of like what, what I think. I mean, it's, it sounds funny, but it, it's really a serious situation that um, like the, the wrath of God is just on top of you waiting to like fall on you. You know, and if, and if people understood that, I think they would, they would not consider... Um, but mainly um, think about their their life and what's um, what their, their eternal um, eternal state and essentially torture in hell. Um, but that sounds kind of morbid, but that's really what it is. Um, I, I actually wanted to. I, I was telling my mom this, um, and kind of like really when I got saved. I'm sure you, I've talked about this many times, but. When I was 13, somebody called my mom, and then they were talking about spiritual things. And then um, she said, put Jason on the phone. Let's, you know, let's uh, see if he wants to get saved today. So um, so she's like, yeah, so do you believe Jesus is, is real? I was like, yeah. Do you, um, do you believe that, that he died and rose again? Yeah. And I vaguely remember that conversation, but I know that was in there. Uh, but then the main thing I remember was that they're like, so do you want to go to hell and like burn for eternity? I was like, uh, no, like I would like to get saved, of course. And I think that's, I'm not saying uh, uh, that's not a good reason to get saved, but, um, or a good point to like bring up to people. Uh, but for me, from 13 to like 20, I really don't think I was saved. I mean, I said that I was saved, um, but I really didn't have any fruit didn't do any works for, for Christ and I was just living my life um, until I was maybe like tw uh, 21, 22 
And so that was one of the main things uh, today was uh, to live for Christ, um, to really put him first in your life with reading the Bible, prayer, um, and being a, a good testimony to other people. Um, and also, if you feel like you haven't really dedicated your life to Christ, like really make the decision, say, Hi, I'm going to try to live for you. I'm going to try to read your word every day. I'm going to try to pray more, um, try to be a better testimony with the things that you say around, you know, uh, people um, that that you re rededicate your life. Um, and if you're not saved, I mean, this this is probably the most, probably the biggest choice you'll make in your life. And I've always looked back and said, um, I mean, I didn't regret it. And maybe I regret it in the beginning in the sense of removing friends that I didn't have. I mean, removing friends that I did have um, and gaining friends that I didn't have in, in, in the church and, and uh, Christian friends. And it, it's been such a blessing, and I hope you guys um, just kind of cut away those things in your life little by little or even extreme and just say, hey, sorry, guys, I can't hang out with you anymore because maybe they make you stumble maybe they curse around you and they kind of like bleed into your life because i know your environment really affects um uh what you do and how you act um and i've always i've always said this to people and said that the main thing that brought me back to the lord was fellowship was friends and that's what i talked about last time i was here um was fellowship uh with other believers and um other people who had the same views as you um and uh, and that's that's it. So remember that John really focused his his work in his ministry um, and switched it over to Christ after he was baptizing, and really just focus on your uh, um, focus on your life with Christ. Um, who here reads your Bible every day? Yeah, Romeo. That's what I'm talking about. All right, he stood up just to do that. Good job, man. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, you got to go? All right. Good to see you, man. Um, and uh, even if it's just one verse a day, uh, I, I think that that'll start, like, the, get the ball rolling. Um, there's so many apps out there, it's ridiculous. You can have five apps that'll give you the verse of the day. Um, there's one for women. There's one for guys. There's one for teens. There's one for, I'm guessing, old people. Um, <laughs> And uh, also, we have a app for Boulevard to hear all the sermons that are put up. So if you can't come on Sunday, if you're at school, if you have, if you don't want to listen to Miley Cyrus, you can listen to one of the sermons, and they're usually like about an hour long. Sorry, throw out Miley Cyrus over there. Um, and uh, and that's on Sermon.net. You can get that on your Android or your app, and then just look for Boulevard Bible Chapel on there. All right. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Give thanks for the f refreshments, and that's it. All right. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity to speak to um, my peers, Lord, and I thank you for just um, giving me this uh, section um, to, to know how John kind of laid everything out and uh, focused on you, Lord, and put um, didn't become a jealous for you that you were getting all uh, the attention but that he exalted you and wanted you to um, have everything because you deserve it Lord I thank you for uh, tonight I thank you for everyone that was here 
I thank you for this great weather that we have, and uh, I also thank you for the refreshments. Uh, I ask you to bless it to our bodies and uh, help us have a good night, and that our conversation is glorifying to you, and that our lives are glorifying to you. And Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen.